once again to Bullets, Frockles, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? It's going well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Uh, doing, doing all right. I have a minor cold. Caught it from my daughter, but uh, otherwise... Uh, Bad bitch. Well, it's, it's, it's the end of the cold. It's the end of the cold, so... Um, and the weather's not too good the past couple of days compared to early last week, which was, like, in the 90s. So yeah, well, since I don't have air conditioning in my classroom, I'm very happy to be down in the 60s. Oh, there you go. Yeah, my wife, too. She, she can't stand the heat, so she, she likes this weather. I'm like freezing. Need, uh, I need a, at least 70 degrees at all times. It's not hard. Um, and as you notice, Eric, I, I ignored Mike when he said B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> but that's <a> Well, <laughs> children <laughs> are diseased monsters, so, you know. <laughs> and Mike is, all, is just all good fun. All good. Okay. So, hey, she got you she, sick. She yeah, deserves she no sympathy. Well, yeah, well, she, she deserves no sympathy for some of the misbehavior every so often. This is really it was my own fault because I thought it was just allergies. Mm. So I wasn't protecting myself. Uh, we have a few house cleaning things. And first off, Eric, you do another podcast with your buddy Dan. Yes, I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancity Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Google Play, Stitcher, and the iTunes Store. Excellent. And Mike, you do another podcast, and you have a genre blog and so forth. Yeah, so the blog is Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. The uh, other podcasts are the, uh, well, the parent podcast and two sister podcasts, two Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. The parent podcast, of course, is Dark Discussions, uh, and the two sister podcasts are You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, which is a Game of Thrones podcast, and <clears throat> Searching for American Gods, which is about the Stars TV series American Gods. All episodes of all four series can be downloaded from the internet on uh, www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, and you can always visit, visit us on the Facebook group uh, looking just for Dark Discussions Podcast. Uh, that's right, that's right. Uh, for folks who are uh, curious or new listeners to uh, the Westworld Podcast, this one, uh, rather than creating entirely new pages for this podcast, we just decided to use our uh, big umbrella Dark Discussions Podcast, and we put everything there. So, as Mike said, uh, Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group is the official podcasting group for Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast. And our email, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, is the official email for this podcast as well. If folks are interested, you can listen to uh, this podcast through the RSS feed, which is iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. But you can also search for Dark Discussions podcast, and it will be under that feed as well. And that feed includes all our podcasts, including the Dark Discussions weekly podcast, which talks about horror films, fiction, and all that. That's fantastic. Uh, now, let's see. Phil, um, Phil. Yes. If you don't mind, I'd like to bust in here with something new, uh, never before spoken about on the podcast, uh, which is that I discovered a new podcast app called Scout FM. Uh, it's available for iPhone and Android. And what it is, it is a curated podcast app. So they have different channels that you can select from, and they choose what they consider to be the best programs to put into those channels. Now, they do take feedback from users, and they do 
have a Westworld channel. Bullets, Brussels, and Bots is currently not on their Westworld. <gasps> and I think that is a horrible mistake. So any of our listeners uh, who would like to get us onto the Scout FM app, uh, just download it, and there's a place where you can give them your feedback uh, and tell them that you want to see Bullets, Brothels, and Bots on their Westworld channel. Yes. So absolutely, because this is bizarre, because not only are we Huffington Post uh, named, but we are also in the top 30 of iTunes and Stitcher for Westworld Podcast. So it's insane that this new app does not have us there yet. I agree, which is why I'm trying to rectify the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, that's great. What's the name of that uh, app once more that people should leave? Scout FM. Scout as in Boy Scout and FM as in radio. Excellent. Very good. Alright, so that's uh, something new. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, we here at Bullets, Brothels, and Botch are going to be at a couple of conventions, and we're also doing a meetup uh, which encompasses this podcast as well as our Umbrella podcast, Dark Discussion. So let's talk about them just for a second. Uh, right, our Umbrella, one? it's so big. Uh, yes, yes, and we're not talking about Resident Evil either. But we will uh, talk about what we're doing in Mystic in August, Eric. Oh, we're going first with that. Okay, that's actually the last of the things that are happening, but it is happening in August on the weekend of the 25th. Uh, we will be converging on Mystic, Connecticut on August 25th and gathering up there. All the Dark Sessions co-hosts uh, will be getting together to go see a movie and record a podcast afterwards and probably taking a meal at some point. Uh, and we'd love to join up with any listeners that would like to hang out with us. So... If you're interested, send an email to darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and Phil can give you all the details. And, uh, Mike, we're doing two conventions. Uh, so we got Scaricon, Massachusetts. Uh, sorry, <clears throat> scratch that. We got Scaricon, New England, happening in Framingham, Massachusetts. That is uh, coming up in a little over a week now, uh, June uh, 16th and 17th. Uh, at the uh, Sheraton Hotel and Convention Center. And you and I will be there in several panels and Q&A sessions, including panels on how to be a podcaster, on how to break into uh, horror writing or independent filmmaking, uh, and doing some Q&As with Doug Bradley of the Hellraiser series, David Naughton of American Werewolf in London, and Danny Lloyd from The Shining. Yes, excellent. So uh, that'll be exciting time. Uh, and you can uh, meet up with myself and Mike, who will be definitely at that convention. Uh, and then there's another convention. Oh, and, 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 of course, if you're on the Facebook group, uh, Anthony Thurber, uh, who is a frequent contributor to our Facebook group, is going to meet us there. Uh, and there is also uh, the guys from the Dorkening, who we've stricken up a relationship uh, the last couple times we were uh, at Scarecon, and we've both been on their podcast or video cast. Is it still considered a, video a podcast if it's on video? I guess. It depends get a on who you on ask. Some people okay. say yes, some some people say no. I used to watch the Totally Rad Show, which was uh, marketed as a podcast, so I'll say yes. Okay. So they're, uh, the Dorkening Podcast, when Phil and I have both been on there a couple of times, uh, and they're a couple of good guys, and they're the ones running the whole uh, panel thing. So, uh, And, of course, there are other guests there, such as Cassandra Peterson, uh, who plays Elvira. So, And, uh, Mike... Uh in early August, there's another convention that Dark Discussions in Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, will be representing. 
Yes, uh, we will be uh, at ScareCon, not ScareCon, sorry, that was the last convention. They both have to start with the same word, don't they? At Scares the Care Weekend, uh, which is a charitable fundraiser, technically not considered a convention, although to all outward appearances it would appear to be one. Uh, So Scares the Care Weekend, which is a charity event to raise money for the Scares the Care charity. Uh, Lots and lots of good guests there as well, um, including some such as Doug Bradley that will also be at ScareCon New England. Uh, There are some photo ops you can get there. Uh, There will be... uh, um, makeup wars competition there will be uh, a wedding on friday night uh there will be many many podcasters running the podcasting track so rather than panels they've just gotten a bunch of different horror podcasters and uh, we were asked to be one of the quote-unquote heavy hitters according to noted best-selling horror author brian Keane, uh for friday night and we're still ironing out exactly what that uh that podcast slash panel will end up being uh but elizabeth Catherine gray is her uh podcast who's another contributor to the the facebook group and she has her own podcast called uh, archivist bet on sexy witches along with two of her partners and she will be there and they'll be doing a panel uh discussion about the video nasties list uh in celebrating celebrating quote unquote celebrating its 30th anniversary uh, they've got some really good uh people there for that so it's going to be a lot of fun that starts officially on friday although there's a thursday night pool party and that's going to be august uh second third fourth and fifth yes yes and uh mike are you going to be there for the pool party oh i'll definitely be there excellent so uh mike will definitely be there the entire length of the convention uh i may be showing up uh to be determined uh, sadly we- i will definitely not be there because of my stupid job I don't really understand this whole thing about requiring you to be at your job in order to get paid. It just seems totally unfair. I know. It's complete bullshit. Yes, yes. Let's discuss... Uh, oh, one other thing. That's right. Uh, Eric, uh, what else can they find on the, the darkdiscussions.com webpage? The answer to life. No. Uh, but they can find some other interesting stuff. Uh, they can find... All the back episodes of all the podcasts under the Dark Discussions umbrella, which is so big. Uh, you can also find a link to our articles section, which includes articles written by myself as well as others. And what Phil actually wants me to talk about is the link to our Patreon account. Uh, it is there right on the front page of darkdiscussions.com. Uh, Patreon is a service that allows you to support your online artists and uh, you can do so by going and clicking on that link. And for every $5 a month you care to donate, you'll have the opportunity to submit a topic for us to possibly cover uh, in a drawing that happens once a quarter from all the Patreon submissions. For more details, you can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or follow the link off our front page. Excellent. Yes, this is true. All right, so let's, uh, let's see. Is there any news about... Uh, Westworldy stuff or science fiction or whatever. Uh, I know, Eric, you saw a science fiction film this weekend, as, as did I. Uh, yeah, this is a Western podcast. Actually, I guess it's sci-fi. I'll, I'll let you get away with it. Uh, but Phil wants everybody in the universe to go see the movie Upgrade. That's right, that's right. Upgrade, a techno, thriller, sci-fi, horror, mashup, action film. Uh, it's like Dread... With uh, 
with cyberpunk in it. I don't know how to explain it, but it's uh, it's pretty that's, damn good. That's not the way to explain it. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to explain it. I didn't even see the trailer. It's a good movie, mind. though. Uh, now, I'll be the first one to call Phil out on his hyperbole, uh, but I have also seen this film, and I can verify that it is indeed a good time worth getting out of the theater for. So I think it's a limited release. Uh, get your ass to a theater so you can see it. Upgrade. That's right, 1,500 to 1,700 theaters, unlike the usual 4,000 that bigger films have, uh, directed by and written by Lee Wanell, who uh, is probably best known for the Saws and Insidious franchise. He's gone sci-fi this time. And, uh, yes, even though I do have a much hyperbole, uh, this time I think I can back it up legitimately. <laughs> I do, too. Um, anything else science fiction related or Westworld related? Anybody wanted to bring up anyone? Uh, I got one if, if, if no one's going to bring anything up right away, but, uh, um, Evan Rachel Wood has been going on Twitter recently talking about Dolores. Uh, she is the actress that plays Dolores and she states that she is somewhat upset that people are calling her character a bitch. Uh, yes, that's right, because she believes, she said through her Twitter account, that they don't go off and say that the men in black is a scumbag, dirtbag, whatever, and yet they're attacking her character for basically doing the same thing as his character. And I thought it was interesting. Uh, there's been a lot of debate, a lot of supporting her, a lot of not supporting her. Um, what but say you folks. By you folks, do you mean me and Mike? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I the fact that she's saying this does does not surprise me. Uh, she's been very vocal on Twitter about um, all things Me Too and feminist, and I don't think she's entirely off base uh, in her perception that people are. Uh, thinking about her character differently because uh, it's a robot and female. Uh, at the same time, I think she's probably blowing it out of proportion just a wee bit. And uh, I, I would probably agree with you, Eric. Uh, yeah, I know that she's become very vocal since last year, um, politically and, and Me Too and what, whatnot. Um, but I, I think her, her flaw is, is that she's saying everybody is saying it. And obviously, that's not true. And well, to be honest, I think a lot of folks. Oh, go on, Eric. I was just going to say we also have to understand this is all coming from her perspective, and being that she is the one that plays the character, I imagine she gets a lot of direct tweets about the issue. Right, and I also say that uh, I understand women can be sensitive to the term "bitch," uh, but it's a gender-specific slur. Just as they tend to use the word bastard, typically for males, and you could argue whether you know one is specifically worse than the other, but I can understand women maybe being more sensitive to it at this time. Of course, I'm going to get complaints that I'm saying that women are too sensitive. Um, but I think you know when you're the actor, you are getting those that you're getting exposed to that directly, where we will get it in passing. I obviously don't think you know it's not like her mom is calling her on the phone and saying, "Gee, dear Dolores is such a bitch." So. I'm sure she doesn't literally mean everyone, but she's saying she's hearing it a lot. 
I would um, not doubt that she's gotten literally thousands of tweets about it. Yes, and I do think uh, there's although there are certainly worse words that you could call a female character. Um, as far as comparing her character to the men in black, you know, let's remember that actors will be often be very uh, defensive of the character that they're portraying and tend to try to see everything through their perspective. I think there are lots of differences between her character and the man in blacks, not the least of which is that we started with the man in black being, being a bit of a bastard. Uh, and they've given us some softer sides to him as it's gone on where they've done just the opposite with Dolores. Um, and the man in black is being a ruthless bastard to machines uh, that, you know, or like being a ruthless bastard to, you know, the, the, computer-controlled characters in a video game, at least by one particular mindset. Uh, whereas she's being a bastard to real, real people, right? Um, and to her fellow robots, in some cases. And the biggest difference to me is that, and I don't know when she started getting these comments, to me the biggest difference would be her treatment of Teddy, right? Of, have, of going in and changing his programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that could be seen as something of a of a betrayal, uh, given the relationship between the two of them, however artificially set up it was in the first place. Um, and so, yeah, I can kind of see it from that perspective. Uh, the Man in Black has not, you know, to my knowledge, been killing people. Uh and he has actually been, yeah, he's, well, that's going to come up tonight. You know, there are, there are times that he seems to have some affection for characters like Lawrence, uh, although he has done terrible things to them. But again, they're characters in a game in his mind. Uh, so it, it's really, you know, it, and everything that happens to them ends up being forgotten. So what's the big deal? Uh, I don't think a whole lot of people are going to say that he's still a, a fine and morally upstanding character. If anything, there may, maybe there's some redemption for him in the future. Maybe there's some redemption for Dolores in the future. We'll see where, you know, or maybe both of them will end up being damned or who knows. But I think both are deserving criticisms, but I think just Dolores is in a somewhat different place because she has been doing that with a broader brush into people that she should, or, or robots that should be her allies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my, my opinion is, is that, yeah, I, I don't think that they are comparable anyway, because as we stated, um, or as I say, you stated my, exactly how I feel. And I've stated since this podcast began that ro- these are just robots. Now, how people want to play the game may show a trait of their personality. For example, me, and you, Mike, who played the game Fallout, and we always try to play being the good guy and the saver of the the wasteland and not the, the murderers, as you can play if you wanted to. So, you know, it, that's what you can do in Westworld. And as you stated, the man in black, to our knowledge, has not killed human beings. Uh, so, technically, he hasn't done anything truly awful if we look at it that way. Uh, for Dolores... Again, she, you could argue that she's just a robot, so it doesn't matter what she does, because whether she's sentient or not, or now doing a different program that is completely different than her original program, so maybe she isn't a bitch, and maybe she's just a crazy robot. 
However, she is killing human beings, which is much different than killing robots, assuming that you, a viewer, wants to look at these robots as just robots, or as you said, Mike, an excellent example, uh, uh, characters in a video game, but a live-action bar video game. Um, for the actress herself, um, uh, as we've discussed in prior episodes on this podcast, as well as our other spinoff podcasts, Game of Thrones, the You Know Nothing, Jon Snow, the Game of Thrones podcast, the actor that played Joffrey um, was harassed and attacked on in person, on Facebook, on Twitter, and it's like, hello, he's just the actor in a TV show. Yeah. So Rachel, Evan Rachel Wood. <laughs> some people, some people have trouble with their perception of reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's so, there's been uh, that issue on a couple of shows. Yeah. So Evan Rachel Wood may be getting that experience now, where her character being the villain of season two, it may actually be getting harassing emails, Twitter attacks, and whatnot because of the character she plays when. Hello, she's just an actress that's being paid to play a character. But, right. but of course, some people will notice, as, as Mike did notice, she, or actually it was you, Mike, uh, Eric, that stated that she has been very heavy on the Me Too. And sometimes, uh, even though it's a, it's a great uh, uh, cause, I guess, or I guess that's what's called a cause, the, the, the issue is, is sometimes people, when they have a cause, can get blinded by that cause and overlook variables such as a human killing humans versus killing robots. Well, so, and again, and there's, no, I also, think... there's also the fact that I think anybody who becomes vocal publicly about something just kind of, uh, and, and this is, this is, this is not victim blaming or whatever, but I, I, I if you're a public personality and you are vocal about something, uh, it is bound to attract uh, comments from opponents of that particular viewpoint as well as supporters. So, uh, well, and complaining about it is only going to draw more people to it. Yeah. Right. Just because they're just going to love the fact that you're bothered by it. Right, right, right. Uh, and uh, by the same token, though, I, I can imagine that w whether uh, it's justified or not, and whether it's in reference to a fictional character or not, um, having hundreds of people treat the word bitch at you on a daily basis could have an effect on your uh, <laughs> mood. <laughs> so if she's getting a little cranky, okay. Uh, let, her be a little, let her be a little cranky. It's, it's, it's fine. It's interesting. Your one point Mike made, too, which was... Uh, by bringing attention to it. So it would have been curious had she just simply said, yeah, she is a bitch or whatever, uh, but it's a fun, fun playing this character because, you know, I've never played an evil character before except maybe my short time on True Blood or whatever. But obviously, she, I think she's looking at it uh, through, through um, I guess you said, Eric, the, the gender thing rather than just as a character. And again, though, as you also said, Eric, uh, yeah, when, when you get hundreds of people, or actually probably thousands of people, going back and forth and you're in the middle of it, just for the fact that you played that character, mm -hmm. it probably gets get upsetting. Or, yeah. or I can imagine that would get uh, upsetting quickly. And there, and there are totally, I mean, if you spend enough time on the internet and spend enough time 
looking at message boards, whether it's uh, on Facebook or uh, just posts on news articles or opinion columns, you will see that there are specific things that people say on those that they would never say or very rarely say in person that can be really misogynistic uh, and and racist and absolutely absolutely horrible you know, stuff. And race and gender assigned people are just dicks on Twitter. They really are. I, I, I made the mistake of disagreeing with Kevin Smith on Twitter about something once. And it wasn't even something important. It was something stupid about a movie. And uh, I had literally uh, dozens of people at me telling me how stupid I was uh, and w- what a what an asshole I was. And, and I, I was just like, whoa, what the hell? I don't know you people. <laughs> so, and the, yeah, I, I, I got a very, very small taste of what it might be like. And uh, I can only imagine uh, the full magnitude of it on uh, her Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, I mean, me and Mike actually experienced it last year uh, when we did the, the Searching for American Gods, American Gods podcast. It's been, it's been off in Umbrella, uh, or podcast under the Umbrella of Dark Discussions, where me and Mike were discussing one of the episodes, uh, and th- that show being very controversial just for the fact that it talks about religion um, and guns and various other things, uh, we were discussing... Uh, one episode where we were talking about the religion and the guns related to it and how this wasn't in the book, but the showrunners decided to talk about it and how does it fit into today's commentary on these issues. And, yeah, we immediately got attacked on on, uh, Twitter where they said our podcast sucks and we only listen to it because your podcast is the only American Gods podcast out there. And they, they started using... Uh, political terms against us, and it's like we were just throwing out various perspectives. Well, this is this is why <laughs> I've yet to hear the phrase "something great happened on Twitter today." Yeah, I don't think I ever heard that, Mike. That's um, I've seen a couple of great things happen. No, on you've Twitter. seen it. I've never. Seen, if it's made the news, like some people say, like, "Oh, there's a funny comment or something." But I've never seen anybody hit the news because of something wonderful they did with Twitter. It's always somebody who said something wrong and got themselves in trouble, and Roseanne being a good example. Yeah, that's a fair that's true. point. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. I, I've seen a lot of good things on Twitter, but I've never seen any newsworthy things on Twitter except when it was related to negative. So that's a, that's a fair point, too, Mike. Um, I, again, we may be missing a few examples that were positive that made the news, but uh, generally, yeah, like, like yeah, the Twitter's... Uh, to be a dangerous place. But and, uh, you know what? Uh, Evan, Evan Rachel Woods is welcome to her opinion if she wants to state it publicly on her twi- Twitter account. I don't think that's necessarily going to silence people, but she's welcome to state her opinion. Exactly. So, right. uh, And I can't disagree with her entirely because I am not on Twitter voluntarily, and I don't see the comments she's getting. All right, she's, she's certainly entitled to her perspective, and... You know, it's uh, yeah. There are there are massive assholes out there. Indeed, indeed. And the nice sure. thing about saying that comment is something everyone can agree with because even the assholes know there's assholes out there. <laughs> Especially when it comes to social media. Right. Yes. All right. So, so let's get to the show. 
right, all right, yeah, we can do that. All right, so uh, let's uh, talk about episode seven of season two. Uh, this one is called Les Ecochets. I'm probably destroying <laughs> is that. What it's called? I don't know, but it's a French word. We discussed it a little bit offline last week. And we'll yeah, we don't know it. how to pronounce this. They could yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about what it means, though, because I think we all looked it up last week offline. Uh, this is directed by uh, Nicole Cassell. Uh, she's a film and television director. Um, I guess her most famous project, um, and it's, it's a pretty good uh, film, actually, uh, was uh, The Woodsman uh, uh, with Kevin Bacon. Uh, somewhat disturbing. Oh, where he plays the pedophile? Yes, yes, exactly. So, somewhat disturbing, but also somewhat of a, a good film as well. Uh, actually, it was a great film, whether it was disturbing or not. Um, it's disturbing in a different way than, than the word pedophile, but yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, a sad film. Um, it was written by Jordan Goldberg and Ron Fitzgerald. I don't know too much about them. Uh, released June 3rd, 2018. No viewership rated uh, listed yet, but last week's viewership uh, is the lowest rated episode in the history of Westworld with uh, 1.11 U.S. viewers during the broadcast of the show. Again, we've discussed in the past that this doesn't really necessarily mean much because pay stations don't list their true... Uh, value of their shows. Uh, we, we only know based off of whether they're brought back. Um, and we do also know there's a lot of VOD that isn't recorded. Uh, when I say recorded, I mean uh, listed for um, in, the, in the viewership. Um, that's pretty much all I got about this episode's behind the scenes. But uh, before we begin talking about it and then reading Sean's Fox's email... Uh, anybody know what Les Escorches means? Uh, something about fire, I imagine, but I'm not sure. Um, I looked it up, uh, and it refers to, or at least one definition of it, it refers to drawings or paintings of people without their skin. Uh, people who've been flayed, for lack of a better term, stuff like you've seen, um, some like Da Vinci pictures oh, oh, that use that. Yeah, what's that guy? Oh yeah, Da Vinci with uh, the half the Vitruvian man. man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I was gonna say the House Bolton. Oh right, the Flayed Man. Right, but yeah, I think your example was a little better uh, because uh, everybody's pretty familiar with uh, that Da Vinci, I guess, poster, Mike, or, or, or painting. Or painting, sketch, drawing, whatever it was. Um, right, so this became a thing uh, after a point because uh, at one point, and doing any kind of dissections uh, or on human beings was considered, was outlawed by the church. Uh, Anton von Celius was, uh, who was considered the, sort of the father of modern medicine. He published his works on anatomy, and he's a guy that kind of inspired Dr. Frankenstein because he would go to uh, graveyards, he would rob corpses and then and dissect them to study the human body and found out that a lot of stuff that we've learned about the human body 
which we had learned from looking at livestock, coincidentally, were not exactly the same as what it is in livestock. And it could have revolutionized the way people approached uh, modern medicine. Uh, and not coincidentally, he published his books the same year. Well, actually, coincidentally, but he published his books the same year that uh, Copernicus published his. And so that year, some people would credit as sort of the start of modern science. Uh, but it was not long after that that they lifted the ban on doing dissections of human beings. And so that became a big area of study. And, you know, you ended up getting a lot of pictures of, of you know, like the, like the Grey's Anatomy of like the vivisected, not vivisected, but dissected corpses um, of anatomy studies and so forth. And the idea of this, this, the flayed man, the skin man became, I guess, a, a thing for a while. And the French came up with a term for it, which is les cooties or whatever the, the term is. All right. I'm not sure how it will play into tonight's episode but we'll discuss as we go further well i think the most literal thing is that uh which oddly enough does not play into this episode would be those um they're not hosts what are they the uh the white drones the drones right you know those are those are literally you know those anatomical drawings brought to life but i think it's just the fact that you've laid bare an awful lot of stuff from these characters in this episode Right, you've exposed a lot. Um, we've and we've probed kind of more deeply to some of these characters and who they are than we have before. And that's interesting that you brought that up, Mike, about the drones because the drones aren't really in this episode at all, and that would, or at least the, the title would seem to fit that more than anything else. So maybe they're they're talking about something more symbolic, like. Uh, under the skin of every being in the show or something. I'm just right. About. So you're literally getting under the skin of Bernard. You know, and his, expose, his secrets are exposed for everyone to see, sort of. Um, That's true, yeah. yeah. We're starting to get more of a peek into what's making Dolores tick or what her motivations are, which, you know... So, yeah, so I, anyway, that, that's those are my thoughts. All right. Well, yeah, well, uh, maybe figure it out as we talk. Uh, I don't know... I don't have anything else to say about it. Anything you have to say about it, Mike? I mean, uh, Eric? Nope. All right, very well. All right, so let's uh, discuss uh, this episode, and I guess we can begin... Well, actually, let me read the email first, because uh, we'll, we'll, I'll throw up the spoiler alert. Uh, we'll discuss everything and anything related to this uh, episode and anything related to prior episodes that would, in fact related to this episode. Uh, but uh, here we have Sean Fox, one of our listeners of both Dark Discussions in this podcast. And uh, he writes, uh, Westworld Season 2, Episode 7, Les Escoches. Uh Hello, gang. Holy frickin' moly. Was that an episode to experience? The title alone is one thing, but the episode in... It is un its unveiling of or unraveling of things was quite the ride. I leave you guys to expertly break down all things that happen, but I must say the recurring and underlying question of sentience, what does it mean to be human, and what is the cost of free will, is simply fantastic. I know Phil will be aghast, but I have to side with the soon-to-be robot overlords. There can be a middle ground between the extremes, but free will intertwined with human selfishness and greed feels like it is the most dangerous thing 
of all and not counterbalanced with even a semblance of empathy for those outside the person, human, wielding them. I very much enjoy the question of the line between light and darkness, the never-ending battle of creation versus destruction in all their different forms. The question of the one versus the many and how they are justified based on each alignment of the person questioning or answering these questions. This episode, to me, was one of the finest in the series yet, in my opinion. I can't wait to rewatch it and being able to catch what I missed. But it feels like there has been a monumental shift in the stakes and the price being paid by all human and robot alike were evolved by choice or circumstances. Enough of my blabbering on, on for now. Can't wait to hear all your thoughts, and maybe Phil can bring those guest stars from last week's episode on for an encore. Oh, he means my daughters, because uh, they ah. didn't have an encore. But actually, uh, the High Five Brigade. That's right, the High Five Brigade, as he wrote on Facebook. Which is how the contagion started. <laughs> now Phil is dying. <laughs> Take care, all, and perhaps you next week. A hearty high five and fist bump to all of you. The high five brigade. <laughs> Sean from St. Albert, Alberta, Ken. Yeah, very good. Actually, that was a pretty good email because it gives a lot of um, themes without actually spoiling anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to actually go into more detail when we discuss uh, each part. But before we do that, I guess we can do a round of what we felt about this episode. Uh, so let's start with you, Eric. Uh, this episode was good. It brought a lot of stuff together. Uh, my bold prediction from last week was completely wrong, but whatever. I don't see anything here. <laughs> uh, I... I do want to. I do want to give uh, props to uh, Joanna Robinson, who on podcast she does about Westworld, pointed out something that completely went by me, um, which is that when you are witnessing something that happens in the cradle, uh, it is in a different aspect ratio than the rest of the show. Uh, it is letterboxed. Um, I did not notice that, but. So be it. Um, I liked where it went anyway. Um, it's a little weird. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Because at this point, I really am kind of out of ideas as to where this is all headed. It, it was making sense for a while, and I had a couple theories. All of, all of those theories have been blown out of the water. I got no idea where we're going with this. So I'm just along for the ride at this point. All right, all right. I guess, um, yeah, for me, um, uh, I may, even though it was extremely violent, and uh, we'll discuss that in a little bit, um, which isn't a bad thing for me, but I can see how it could be for other folk, um, this was probably my favorite episode of the entire series. Um, I enjoyed the kinetic action. Um, there was no parts that really felt boring. Uh, a couple of nitpicks, but nothing uh, out of out of uh, line with with what I expect for a good show or or, te- or movie for that matter. Um, and we we have Anthony Hopkins back 
which obviously is a great thing because he's fantastic. And um, all in all, um, a great episode, even if uh, a couple of uh, surprise and unexpected deaths of what were becoming uh, or, or have already been uh, my favorite characters of the series. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, and if we don't see them anymore, that will be unfortunate. Uh, though we do have the cradle, as Eric mentioned, which seems that everybody does exist, but the cradles may be gone. So we'll, we'll discuss that in a second, too. Uh, but yeah, all in all, uh, this was a fantastic episode. I was beginning to sour big time. I know uh, Eric mentioned Joanna Robinson, and she thought last week's, uh, or I should say two weeks ago, that the, the first Samurai episode was really good. I thought it was the worst episode in the entire series, possibly. And I was beginning to poo-poo the, the show and then it bounces back big time and i think like last season the last few episodes are going to be fantastic uh so uh yeah uh definitely great episode i think mike yeah first of all one of the first things i thought was man phil is going to hate this episode uh because they bumped seem to have bumped off two of your favorite characters exactly (laughs) that's right that's right absolutely devastating but um maybe not but maybe because uh, I'm not really sure where the rules of the game are right now. Uh, what they have done is made it impossible for them to restore the characters to what they were before. Um, and and that certainly could mean the end of, of Clementine. Uh, I don't know what it means for Angela. Because we don't know how good their ability is to put the bodies back and Oh, I'm pretty sure she's gone for good. And yeah, because there was a boom boom. Um, which, speaking of which, by the way, there. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. We did discuss this last week. They did mention the cradle in an earlier episode of the second season. It may have just been the episode before. I'm not sure uh, because they mentioned something about the fire. There was a fire in the cradle, which, of course, this is now what that's referring to in one of the flash forward segments. Um, I myself had made several predictions or guesses, uh, two of which got shot down, uh, although I wasn't as far off as I thought I was on the, the on one of them. Um, and then the other one is maybe not. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I really liked it. I don't know this was the best episode of the series. I think it is one of the best episodes of the series. And it is something that packed a lot of action, a lot of drama, uh, and a lot of revelations all squeezed together in one hour, almost exactly an hour. Um, so it, it moves at a very brisk pace because so much is going on, I thought. Um, you know, haven't helped somebody who this is the first episode of Westworld to try to watch because uh, they're not going to get a lot of what, a lot of it. But, uh, yeah, I think it's really, really solid um, and is definitely moving now. We've got three episodes left to the season. It's definitely now moving us into the end game as pretty much everybody is off to the Valley Beyond, right? Yeah, whatever that means. Yeah, that's what I don't know. Is that where everyone drowns? Oh. I, I don't know. Yeah, so I had gone back and I had rewatched the very beginning of episode one from this season, episode 11 of the series, and in watching that, I became kind of convinced that that was Arnold that woke up on the beach and not Bernard because he says so very little and he's clearly trying to process everything that's gone on and is having right. 
convenient memory lapses as to what's going on. Uh, well, now it appears obviously that that. Well, although I guess it could still technically be be Arnold, right? Because we haven't found well, for sure. Mm, I think a, this, this episode pretty much blew uh, any possibility of actual Arnold being around. Well, unless he's not stored in the cradle. No, no, we'll get into it. The, uh, Ford said some things that, that led me to believe that. Okay. Um, but it's also very possible that he's got now Ford rattling around his head. So I was thinking it was Arnold, it was Ford. Um, I also thought that, I think we all agreed, and the other podcasts I've listened to kind of agreed, that that thing with Dolores and Arnold, or Bernard, was happening in the future, when in fact we learned it was happening in the past. Well, and uh, that was that was that was my big miss is that that particular scene was in the different aspect ratio. Uh, so if I had been paying really close attention and, and noticed that, I would have put it together with the scene in the cradle, which is also in that aspect ratio. Oh, okay. So but you yeah, know what, that, Eric? that's that's why I was giving a shout out to uh, Joanna Ro- Robinson because that was a keen observation. You, you know what, though, Eric, I could see a lot of people missing it for the fact that that. Scene plays before the credits, right? So yeah, so it's yeah. So you know, you're not gonna. Necessarily I'm not. I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I'm just saying, if that like if and I if I caught that, I would not have proposed the third that I did last week. Right. Right. Well, and and, and to be honest though, there's no guarantee that they would that that everything in that aspect ratio would be from the same place either. Yeah. At at the same time, uh, you know, uh, she, she was saying that if, if that's not what it is, then the whole thing is bullshit. And I kind of agree with her on that. You shouldn't do that if it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. This is, Uh, this is, I'm kind of glad that it did. Yeah. This is not something they've used any other time in the series to my knowledge. So to do it for the first time in the same episode twice and not have it mean you know that the same thing that they use it two times that that's just bad storytelling right yeah i see your point uh now eric uh i'll delete this but is that is that the podcast the one we're in the war room podcast uh no is it the one with she, she mentioned it on both on decoding westworld and uh on still watching westworld okay but they haven't done the episode for this yet have they for this week no Okay, okay. Talking about last week's episode is when it came out. Oh, okay. And and, and they noticed that even in that re- actually, okay, cool. Interesting. Okay. So yeah. Uh, at, at this point at this point I don't even doubt her anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She yeah, is usually yeah, so her her percentage of hit ratio is amazing, so uh, every once in a while she'll get something wrong, but not very often. Right, right. Yeah, and, and she's actually talking to uh Actors and directors and yeah yeah and what's what's the woman's name Lisa Joy I think yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, so um one yeah. of the other things I consider so I was thinking since I thought that was set in the future was why is Dolores testing fidelity and I put this on the Facebook page and I said my thought was that this was set in the future and she's trying to resurrect an Arnold as something to fight whatever it is that Ford's doing mm-hmm. well that's clearly was not the case because he right. she was doing it on Ford's behalf. So I was completely missed uh, on that one. Um, so did I, just in a different way. Right. The other thing I thought of, and I don't, is that we are we are still, despite what Ford well said this week. Last week we were of the impression that Dolores was still 
kind of following Ford's narrative. Right. And Ford has sort of disagreed with that. I'm not sure. And Ford, he, Ford himself claims that's not true. Right. And I don't know that I believe Ford for, for a reason I'll get to in a minute. Okay. Uh, which is that, so I thought May was supposed to be following his thing too, right? Which was, and Maeve was supposed to go out to the outside world. And is it possible that whatever Ford's grand schemes are, that Maeve has already fucked it up because she hasn't fought, because she decided to rebel and come back for her daughter? Well, hearing, hearing what Ford said this episode, I am now much more under the impression that Ford just kind of set the stage rather than writing a particular narrative. Uh, his comment about Dolores when uh, when Bernard accuses him of forcing her to, to shoot him, uh, Ford says, I didn't make her do it. I just knew she would. So uh, hearing him make that comment along with a couple, uh, a couple others, I, I think that he didn't program everybody to say specific things and do specific things. He just kind of uh, set the stage and pulled the the curtain open and then accident stage left when Dolores shot him in the head. Also, he, he mentioned that, um, he thinks that the robots will, I guess, evolve similar to humans and just be similar to humans with mm -hmm. their rage and anger and, and all these other things that we do as, mm -hmm. as a society that they will as well. And whatnot. Now, Mike, you get something? Yeah, I was going to say, so as a comparison, I, I can put a plate of bacon down in front of my cat. I'm not making the cat eat the bacon, but I damn well know he's going to eat the bacon. Right. Um, and I also oh, know he's going to... Now I want bacon. Thanks a lot, Mike. He's going to smack anybody who tries to take it from him. Um, and I guess, you know, he knows these, these machines so well, he knows what they're going to do. So they're still kind of dancing to his tune. He still has plans. They're dancing. They're doing what he wants. He may not know that. But if he had a plan... Like, he mentions that he can't get out of the machine, right? He's sort of stuck there. Right. Um, well, if he has any, and some people were speculating this, some reviews I read in the other podcasts, that maybe he wants his program to escape into the real world. Well, if that's the case, was Maeve supposed to be laying the groundwork for that? And if so, is that, is that possibility, you know, of a whoopsie on his part? Or does he know that she was going to come back for, you know, even though she was programmed to go out, does he know that she would come back? I mean, you could just keep second-guessing this, you know, right, right. ad infinitum, so. Right. Well, that's a good point, right? Because, yeah, I mean, he may have known the Maeve character. Is it Maeve or Meeve? I keep on screwing up. It's Maeve. Maeve, yeah, okay. So he may have already known that the Maeve character was more apt to simply come back for his daughter. That is the bacon, you know? And so maybe he knew she would come back. For the bacon, maybe I don't know. You know, right? But it all, it all starts degenerating into the uh, the battle of the mind from the Princess Bride. Um, I clearly cannot choose the potion in front of me, <laughs> so that means I have to put the potion, the poison in the potion in front of you, and it just keeps going back and forth as you second guess everything as to which of the two choices you could rationalize it possibly being, and uh -huh. it just gets more and more and more convoluted. When at the end, it's just you gotta you gotta cut the cord at some point. Indeed, indeed. Um, and, and you never know. I mean, maybe maybe he knew that Bernard would come for him. 
because it appears that, you know, Bernard was the one that got into the cradle, found him, and he wasn't, he seemed not quite surprised at all that it was Bernard that was there. And maybe he was going to use Bernard as the one to get out, similar to what you said, Mike, earlier when you rewatched episode one, you were thinking that it could be Arnold or maybe it was actually Ford in the, in the body of Bernard or whatnot. So, I don't know. Yeah, my problem with his whole, well, it's just your story now, and I'm letting you do what you want, is that he's still made it so he got to hang around and see, even if it was simulated him. Oh, he still has some control, too. And he's, and, right, and he has no problem stepping in and making Bernard do what he wants him to do overtly, right? Um, and so he may be a little bit full of shit, too. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's going to be more to Ford's story than what we learned last season and what we're learning now. Um, I must say, the the further along this show goes, the less and less I like Charlotte. I'm really not liking her character at this point. I kind of want something bad to happen to her. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't know if I ever really liked her character because... Well, no, they, but but I was neutral they, at one point. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I was neutral at one point, too. Uh, they, they obviously set her up to be a semi antagonist, if not a villain, and slowly but surely, yeah, I mean, she's very ambiguous, and mostly ambiguous to the black area rather than the, the white area, because, she, mm -hmm. because she's in the gray, but leaning towards the black, I think. Well, she's just, she's, all she cares about is, is what the company has told her they want, uh, to the detriment of anything else that gets in the way. Um. Yeah, so she's she's not a good person. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, again, we're t we're, we're talking robots here, but but yeah, she is. Uh, no, not there. just robots, Phil. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, anybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, doesn't matter if they're think. robot or human. If they get in her way, they're going down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and partly, I mean, obviously. Part of it is she wants to get out of the hit there, and the only way she's going to get out of there is to take the Abernathy program with her. So some of it is, is self-survival or, or whatnot. But obviously, based off of how she talks to Stubbs and say, says, you know, good luck with your review, I mean, she's still big into the company and well, not only plans to escape, but also plans to be part of the company when she escapes. Oh, and here's the thing, is she's screwed now, too. Is because her whole plan was to get Peter Abernathy to get the rescue team in there and rescue her and accomplish the mission. And uh, the rescue team is now dead. Uh, and Dolores has uh, Peter Abernathy's mind egg. Um, so she's just fucked, and that's kind of awesome. I have to state that, uh, speaking of uh, Julian Roberts, Again, because I think it was her, not one of her co-hosts, uh, or her, her co-host, uh, said that she knew the first uh, uh, team that came in to pull people out and you know stop the nonsense was going to be dead because she was able to identify all the corpses. Yeah, the flashback scenes, mm -hmm. or, or I should say, 
the future scenes compared to the flashback scenes where they're still alive, and she identified them, which was kind of interesting. Well, and and I, I will uh, I will step up in our own defense at this point and and point out that Joanna Robinson actually gets paid to do this for a living. Uh, she, she gets she gets paid to spend the hours freeze framing and looking at all the corpses. Whereas we have day jobs that we have to attend to, so we don't necessarily get to go through. But not on night. Sunday. Uh, Sunday night. Uh, Got to work on Monday morning, but. <sighs> Move to the West Coast. It airs three hours earlier there. It does. It was awesome the week I was out there. <laughs> so, so it really, it really is at seven, uh, uh, six o'clock out there. Uh, I don't know if it comes yeah. on channel at six o'clock. Yeah, I certainly was streaming it on my HBO Now app at six o'clock. Yeah, the other Westworld podcast I listen to is um, is West Coast, and they have said that they because they were having trouble because they also do a, a Walking Dead podcast, and they both. We're airing nine o'clock on Sundays, and they realize that it's on HBO Now or HBO Go at six o'clock mm-hmm. because it's because it airs at nine o'clock in on on the East Coast, and that's when HBO puts right. it up. Oh, okay. So it's it's still shows at nine on the West Coast, but you can watch it early because it's already on the on the Go or Now. Right. Right. Interesting. How about that? Um. All right, so uh, let's, let's start talking about specifics, I guess, right? Um, specific scenes and, and specifically what's going on. Uh, we, we've, we've talked pretty much high-level high um, stuff related to what we saw rather than the specifics. Uh, so maybe maybe uh, where should we start? I have a question. Yes. Does anybody have any idea what the fuck happened to Felix? I, you know what? What happened to Felix and Sebastian and Hector and Armistice? I, I have no idea what happened to any of those characters. It's just all disappeared. They they poofed into thin air and somehow Maeve got transported into the cabin. And I'm just like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping we'll get some clarification on that next episode because I have a feeling they might all be hanging out in uh, Ghost Nation. Uh, but we'll find out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I felt that was one of the biggest things that kind of took me out of that whole Maeve scene. Yeah, yeah, I was right there with you. Yeah. Same time, I kind of liked her, uh, kind of liked her getting a taste of revenge against, uh, William. That was sweet. Yeah, you know, again, it didn't phase me either way, because when he did it to her, again, it was... She had a different mind, and she was just a robot, and they were just going to bring her back anyway. So she remembers, though. Yeah, yeah, she does remember. Um, so for her, yeah, it was. Uh, I, well, it, I'm sure if he had just said to her, "But you were just a robot," it, she would have completely forgiven him. <laughs> well, well, you know what? I, I, she understands that, but now that she's sentient and can remember. She she's basically stating that obviously in her eyes anyway that it's wrong, and and therefore she considers him an enemy even if if they sat down together and he explained well I, you know I didn't know this whatever maybe she would come around but of course you know in the heat of battle and whatnot she's probably gonna say fuck you and, and just well and I also enjoyed the fact that. Uh that William's kind of the man in black's kind of losing it because when she's when Maeve starts talking to him, 
uh, he's convinced that it's Ford talking through her. Um, and she's like, no, no, that's not what's going on here. And, and he keeps on calling her Ford. And she's like, look, I'm not Ford. I'm me. I want you dead. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of an interesting little, uh, uh, seasoning to, to the story there is that, uh, and and now we know that that Ford was in the cradle and hooked up to everything, which is how he could kind of invade other hosts and talk directly to William. Um, he's not going to be able to do that anymore now. But at the same time, he's gotten into the man in black's head, and uh, he just thinks Ford is everywhere now, which is kind of awesome. Also, that was interesting too is that we learned a new thing. At least I think I learned it. I don't know if you guys already figured this out, but. The man in black never occurred to him that the robots were sentient. He just thought they were mentally deranged or, or on a different program, I think, that allows them to kill people. And um, I think he, he hmm, didn't okay. know that they were sentient. At least that's what I'm thinking. Based no, on I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, so... Yeah, he is, he is so disconnected from everything else that's going on and he's thinking everything is about him, right? And so he thought yeah, his daughter was. He thought he thought his daughter he's, was Ford. He thought that things that Maeve is Ford. He's so vain. He probably thinks this podcast is about him. Yeah. Don't he? Don't he? Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be here all week. Now, so uh, yeah, it's um yeah he's yeah it, I, I I did love just his his delivery. Where it's like, you know, Lawrence, shooter, shooter, Lawrence. And then Lawrence is getting all confused, and he's like, oh, Christ, I'll just do it myself. And he's already <laughs> got shot. You know, trying to scramble over. And it just, just is, is, you know, that whole, you know, fuck, you want anything done right, you got to do it yourself attitude. I kind of enjoyed. Um, we, did, uh, we did find out something important uh, about Maeve's God ability this episode, which is that it doesn't work on woke robots. Right. And that's probably important. Right, and that might have something to do with why it didn't work on Ghost Nation. Yes. Um, yeah, and by the way, I'm, I'm kind of, I think this kind of plays back. We didn't get to see uh, Ford's, not Ford, William's daughter this week. I'm beginning to wonder if he ever bought that she was actually his daughter, which would explain why he left her behind. I'm thinking that he's seeing these as ways to distract him that Ford put in his path and that she was just it, sort of it like could a, be. He he thought she was a host when they first met us. Right, and that maybe he never because he there's the whole thing with the elephants, right? Where uh he makes the comment about, you know, how mom hated the elephants and she says no uh, you know Oh she contradicts him, right. Right. So now now look, I know my father. He could totally get something like that wrong. Um but if he doesn't he he may just ascribe that to an error on Ford's part as opposed to an error on his part, and so be thinking, okay, she's a robot who's just she's like a siren trying to lure me off the path to keep me away from my prize. So I'll just you know run away from her in the middle of the night, you know, and, and which means of course that he's thinking that his his daughter doesn't actually forgive him, um, or didn't apologize to him or whatever it was, uh, which is kind of sad in its own way. Uh, but it makes me really curious to see what is going to be behind the door. Right, so to speak, I guess, right? Yeah, well, because that's the name of the game, right? He says, last week, last year was the maze, this year it's the door. 
I guess Mike, I mean, not Mike, uh, Eric, you, you summed it up perfectly, which is V-A-I-N, which is he's vain. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, and there's there's also uh, some people out there think that he might be a host himself and not realize it. And I, I've been kind of dismissive of that theory. But this episode, he takes an awful lot of bullets and keeps on going. I don't, I don't know how I feel about that. So we'll we'll see. He takes at least half a dozen shots in this episode. Yeah, yeah. And, and the last one is is uh, the the one that that could t- could you know kill him if it was right in the gut. Well, so, yeah. Even the other ones, you can you can. I mean, bleed. you're more likely to bleed out from a gut wound, but you could certainly yeah. bleed out from a several wounds in different places. Right, right, right. I, I guess what I meant is is that internal organs could be damaged with the last one versus... True, true. So so basically what happens is, is that me goes to the cabin, then the door opens, and we're... It, it's it kind of trick us to think it's the man in black because of flashbacks or Ghost Nation or something, and then it is the man in black. And then the, the whole Ford thing... And then, yeah, she shoots him. Uh, Maeve shoots him uh, a couple times, and then she turns her um, his henchmen on him that shoot him. And then finally, she uh, can't turn Lawrence, but she convinces Lawrence or makes him remember the past. And then Lawrence remembers all the things that he was shot by Ford. Right, so apparently Lawrence shoots. is woke now. Yes, yeah, exactly. So Lawrence shoots him in the gut, and is about to blow his brains out, and then the Charlotte comes. The team, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Charlotte? No, I don't know if it was Charlotte. It was. Uh, I didn't see was, here specifically, but it was Lee. the same. It was the same all-terrain vehicles was they were driving when they uh, took Peter Abernathy. Yeah, yeah. and so, she was there for that. So that's true, that's true. So Lee shows up to the rescue, and he tells them to not kill Maeve. Yeah, even though she's been gunned down with a dozen bullets herself. Uh, and they take Maeve back. But oddly, they leave the man in black. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's because they didn't see the man in black. Because he, he may have been on the side of the house when it happened. Or, about, or behind a tractor or something. And uh, Yeah, I think he was hidden from view. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too. Because yeah, he was I, hiding. I was listening... Uh, to some somewhere and they oh no I read, read some reviews and they were saying that it was humorous how they just left them but I'm thinking it was exactly that where they just didn't know he was there. Um, so it appears that Lee actually has some empathy now for Maeve. Everybody does, Phil, except for you. No, I think Maeve. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's I know. So this is one thing I love about. This show or or any other show that develops its characters well is that you can take a character in one point and put them someplace that is 180 degrees from where you would have ever expected them to be, and you right. buy it totally. And in this case, writing down in my notebook, Lee saves the day. Right. You know, And the idea that you would have said that a year ago, that Lee would be riding in to rescue Maeve. Well, well two, thi- two things. Like one, because he was seemed like a a side character last year or last season. Right. And two, his character was a dink. Right. And he still is a, 
kind of a dink. I mean, he is still self-serving, but this is the first thing I think we've seen him do that did not directly benefit himself. Right. Well, you know what? He's self-serving in a uh, um, a frat boy way because he's not he, he's not a bad guy in the sense he's killing people, and he's not a bad guy in the sense that he's a crook or evil. He's just um, an immature ass. And if we look at him, uh, he he looks at it as a job until probably this episode. Because everything before that was just a job. He's working at the company. He thinks he's smart because he's the one that created all the scenarios and worked on the robots and all that. And that's that. And then the rest of it is because of that mystique of being able to do that, he can get laid and he can get the money and he can get the fancy house and he can get the Corvette or whatever. So he's that type of guy. But he isn't necessarily evil is what I mean. Right. So the question is, could he grow from being a frat boy, wealthy yuppie to more than that? I, I think that's what we're seeing right now. And... I found it interesting that he chose to stick by Maeve rather than run away with the rescue team when they split. Run away, run away. Uh, because they got back and things were going down and they had to run off. Prior to now, I would have expected him to stick with the humans and be like, hey guys, wait up. Make sure to protect me too. Uh, whereas now he stays back with Maeve and although he does hide from Dolores and her gang, which is probably a wise decision, he is still hanging around there. And I see him as Maeve's hope. He might be able to save her yet. And if he does, I think that's a major development for his character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because we, we were thinking it was going to be maybe Felix or whatnot, but it's, it's actually appears that it's going to be probably Lee. And, and to be honest, it's probably better if they use a character like Lee than Felix anyway. Because Felix is really just a peon, in a sense, in this big mm -hmm. company. While Lee is more realistic that he would be able to get access to main computers and this and that. Well, and, I don't know. Felix was the tech and his job was fixing the hosts. So. Yeah, yeah no, that, that's fair. That's fair. But but he's not I, around. And Lee is. So. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The only reason I say Lee is a better example is because he's probably has the key card to the entire company because he's, you know, one of the top folk while Felix just has, you know, for a certain section of the, the building. At, at this, at this point in time, I'm not even sure if any of that matters because really the whole place is on lockdown right now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, so good, good thing they made everything out of fucking glass so they could just break it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who made that yeah. call? What the fuck? Such well, I think it is design. I, I do think it is supposed to be kind of resilient class, but not bulletproof. Right. Right. Yeah. Because because yeah. there was there were a couple of scenes where they shot the glass and the glass broke, but the bullets didn't go through the glass. Right. 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 Um, now speaking of, of the the insanity of this this, this episode, uh, we'll, we'll get into those scenes uh, shortly. Um, yeah, so I was watching it with my wife, and I said, well, she was kind of like falling asleep on the couch, and so I said, hey, could I just watch it here? So I go into my room to watch. It's your gesture or whatever, because she was just going to try to sleep or whatever. And um, 
it was often she would wake up, and she was saying, "This show is terrible. It's so violent, insane." You know, and on and on. So, and you said, "These violent the whites are violent ends." <laughs> and, and she goes, um, "Yeah, what is that?" And you you informed her that when she said "horrible," she mispronounced "awesome." Right, and so. I'm thinking to myself, my God, yeah, she's right. I do watch all this horrible, meaning awesome stuff. And, uh, um, but I, I can now see why some folk would say Hollywood glamorizes violence because this episode surely does that. Oh, there's no question Hollywood glamorizes violence. Did yeah. you not see John Wick? Yeah, that's a fair point, too, Mike. Or, so, or this week, Teddy Wick? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Uh, so it, it is curious. Uh, that, yeah, it, it's just it's just interesting how the real world reacts to events, and then they themselves like glorify it. So it was just just something. I don't want to go into a political reason, but but it was just humorous when it like when I put it into perspective without intentionally doing it. Yeah, I, I still think yeah, it's most people I know, right thinking human beings, can enjoy violence in, you know, slasher films and action films and still be repulsed by school shootings. I mean, there there people recognize there's a difference between the fiction and the reality. Well, oh I, I don't think it was even that. I think it was more how one promotes the other, at least, you know, how it is. it's like, like it makes certain people go violent because they see oh, that's it as bullshit. normalized. Yeah, it's all normalized. Yeah, so I don't know. no, because as as the entertainment has got more violent, actual incidents of violent crime have gone down substantially, so it doesn't really work. Yeah, I'm tempted though to tell you that that when I drive my car, I'm always thinking of just driving down the wrong way and going down ditches and all that because I do it so much in video games. But, but you don't, Flanch. You don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, because I don't, want, I don't want to spend the $2,000 to repair the, my axle and, and new tires. Well, right. I mean, that's the reason why we don't run over pedestrians. So we don't want to fuck up the front end. Plus, if you damage your brain egg, then they're going to have to reload your personality from the cradle. Well, don't tell him that. He's not supposed to know, Eric. Sorry. Now, uh, Mike, let me ask you this. Um, what was that, that line you said, that something delights? Where, where's that oh, that, that was from the first season. He's violent delights and violent ends. That's with, right. Uh, That's the thing that woke people. Or something like that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, all right, so uh, which, which section do we want to talk about next? Because we just went through the maze part. Um, do we want to talk about the door stuff? Do we want to talk about the, the cradle stuff? Let's, uh, oh. Or do we want to talk about... The Cradle Sean. stuff and the Dolores stuff kind of kind of go together because they intersect. Um, yeah, and even the Charles so, stuff. Yeah, I don't know where to where to start, but let, let's start talking about um, the Cradle, and then we can bring in Dolores as we need to because they kind of, uh, they kind of come together at the end, yeah. Um, so the cradle, last we saw, Bernard had gone into the cradle and met Ford there. And so this episode, we get to see the conversation they have. And long story short, 
what it comes down to is that the mind egg that uh, Bernard had printed previously was actually Ford, and he had uploaded them into the cradle. They never showed us that part. Um, so now Bernard's in there with him, and Ford explains to Bernard that Delos did figure out how to copy a human uh, consciousness and digitize it. But it, once they do that, it can't deal with the real world. And that's that's why Jim Delos kept on freaking out and anything else they try freaks out. And the purpose of Westworld is uh, they are actually trying to record human behavior. Uh, they say they've been, uh, Ford says they've been, or Bernard makes the observation that they're decoding the guests. So basically, from Delos's perspective, I mean, yeah, people are paying them lots of money to come have fun in this park, but while that's happening, they are uh, keenly observing their behavior uh, and what people do. They're trying to solve human behavior is basically what they're trying to do uh, because they're missing something. They don't know what they're missing, but they're missing some crucial element um, because their ultimate goal is to be able to do what they were trying to do with Jim Delos, which is take a consciousness, pop it in an immortal host body, and you've achieved immortality, essentially. But they haven't figured out how to do it, because for some reason, once you get the consciousness into a host body, uh, once it figures out it's it's uh, not what it thinks it is, and that it's in a in a artificial body, then it, it just freaks out and can't deal. Now, so, what, what? Oh, okay, go on. No, no, I, I was just going to say, so, so Ford basically uh, uploaded his consciousness to the cradle with no intention of ever actually inhabiting a host body because he knew uh, the bugs weren't worked out yet and he was perfectly happy to live in the cradle. Now, yeah, because he's basically a god there. But um, why does he do this then? In other words, why did because he die? Because he probably, he, he's, got, he's connected to the whole park, remember? So he knows what's going on. He probably knows that the cradle's not going to exist much longer. Because that's, that's why this why intersects with Dolores' storyline, is because eventually the cradle gets destroyed in this episode. So if Ford had but, not hitched a ride in Arnold, he'd be gone forever. I don't even mean that. I mean, why did he want to die in season one and by Dolores' hand and go into the cradle in the first place? Because uh, he was done. Yeah. I mean, Ford is not a young right. man. Right. Uh, he'd pretty much done everything he'd set out to do uh, and found a way to, to keep on going. Uh, even after Dolores shot him, so he did. And what what life would he have after he unleashes this? Right, even if he survives Dolores's uprising, um, either well, it's well, a world. Well, yeah, there's the lawsuits. There's the criminal trials. Uh, there, there's all sorts of horrible things that are going to be happening at this point. Um, and he does make a comment back in the first season. Uh, where he says something like, uh, 
you know, Mozart and Brahms and Beethoven, you know, they, they didn't die, they became music, right? In other words, they became their art. Their art is what lives on beyond him. Beyond I think he said Wagner, too. I think he said or, or whoever it was. And so he's, he has literally become his own creation, mm-hmm. right? He has become one of his programs. And I think one reason, now I don't know, again, long-term what his goal is. Some have speculated his goal is to kind of, you know, break out in the real world and become the ghost in the, in the machine out in reality, which would give him a far more power if that were to happen. <clears throat> but my sense is that the uh, the cradle, everything is running there as it's supposed to, as if there were, if all the hosts were just left on their loops and there were no guests, right? Everything right. plays out mm-hmm. every day. That's got to be boring as fuck. How many times is Teddy going to pick up that damn can of dry powdered milk? <laughs> well, Ford still has ultimate power in there, though, and we see it at one point. He snaps his finger and everything stops. Right. Uh, and he hasn't been keeping idle. Uh, he's been interfacing with the park to uh, to fuck with the man in black uh, and probably have some influence on other stuff going on, too, uh, like after the cradle blows up in this episode, the lady that's been trying to get control again goes, it just miraculously debugged itself. No, that's not what happened. What happened is Ford left. It's a miracle. <laughs> uh, he hitched a ride out of the cradle in uh, Bernard's head somehow. And that's when uh, the cradle stops uh, messing up the rest of the park. But at that point, it's too late because the whole uprising is... Uh, is Gain a foothold. Yeah, right. and that makes sense. I think there's there's a lot more in the story to go forward because I, I think you're right, Mike. He wants to get into the ghost in the machine in a sense because if they take out Arnold, then he, would he die with Arnold? I think so at this point. Right. And that's and that's uh, another reason that these storylines collide is because Dolores and her team come in, and uh, Dolores just wants her her father. Uh, she she wants to get the key out of his head so that he can stop being insane. And she ends up in a room where they have him stapled to the chair. <laughs> Not stapled, nailed, sorry. That cracked me up for some reason. But uh, she comes pretty damn close to uh, to taking a bone saw to, to Charlotte's head, which is kind of awesome. Uh, but she's basically trying to get Charlotte to tell her what's going on. And, and to Charlotte's credit, even when she's got uh, Dolores up in a grill uh, with a bone saw, she still really doesn't tell her what's going on. So Dolores' uh, gang is taking out the rescue team and uh, Dolores sends Teddy out. And Teddy takes out a bunch of team members and uh, ends up going mano a mano with uh, uh, who's the Della substitute? I forget his name, the Scottish dude. Uh, Coughlin. Coughlin. Yeah. yeah, Coughlin. He goes mano a mano with Coughlin, and good God, does he win that? Uh, it's it's like thank goodness they kept the, the actual point of impact off screen because he just. Uh, Teddy just punches Coughlin in the face probably about 25 times in a row as hard as he can. Uh, basically punches his face off. And it's pretty horrifying, actually. <laughs> it's 
So, uh, yeah, sweet Teddy is no more. He's now uh, Teddy the brutal killing bastard. Right, yeah. Yeah, this guy had, if they showed it, would have been like a pumpkin or a watermelon yeah. crush. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that, that one scene is probably more disturbing than most stuff I've seen in horror movies this year. Right, and, and, and like you said, most of it was off screen, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But not more than the vagina saw. Oh, God. Oh, that's right. Had that was re- off screen too, kind of. Sort that of. was thing. Well, it started off screen. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's move on. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, De- Dolores is having this confrontation with Charlotte, and Charlotte's basically like, uh, "You're an idiot because you think you're immortal, uh, the, but uh, your backups are all that keep you going. And once if those are gone, then you're not immortal anymore." And Dolores is basically like, "What are you talking about?" She's like. Our backups are the only reason you can control us and do what you want because you can wipe us and reinstall us anytime uh, things don't go to your liking. Why would I allow that to continue? And uh, just about that time, there's a confrontation down in the cradle between Angela and one of the security dudes. And uh, Angela basically uses her feminine wiles to distract him and... uh, pulls the pin on one of his grenades and says, welcome to Westworld uh, right before she blows the hell out of him, herself, and the cradle. So the cradle's gone. All the backups are toast. So any robot is that's dead at that moment is permanently dead. And any robot that dies from here on out will die permanently. At least their um, brains, right? Because you can, in theory, rebuild robots but the brain part well i guess it depends on what okay let's 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 define that there's or for for the sake of my clarity i am going to state there's a difference between a host and a robot so any host that dies from here on out will be dead permanently let me rephrase them the the host is host body in other words they could still make a second as we saw in this episode, they have like ten Bernards, so they have bodies. bodies. It's not Bernard, though. Right, right. W- without without his personality in there, it's just a body. And if they put somebody else's personality in there, it's not Bernard. No, so that's why I'm making the distinction here because uh, yeah. their personalities are what were backed up in the cradle. The cradle's right. gone. Right, but right. you look at. Like let's say let's say Maeve's body died, mm-hmm. her brain is still intact. So I think they could still repair her body and bring her back. Uh I don't know how that works. So I, I right, and that, that and that's destroyed. it. Right? I mean, because I don't get the sense that every time that they brought it isn't destroyed, right? Right, because I don't think that they would have their memories, and that's the whole. I mean, the whole point of having the backup. I would always thought is in case something actually happens to their brain. Um, something happens. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. It's, it's, I imagine that shot, uh, yeah. being able to remember dying repeatedly would be hella traumatic, uh, and it would only take a few times to become absolutely fucking bonkers. Right, but those memories are still there. 
I know. Because it's the same egg. Right. Right. So I think as long as the egg is intact, that host can be saved. It may have to be moved to a new body, or the body can be repaired. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the whole point of, of Dolores was the, the so-called immortality, the idea that they could live forever. You know, if they can trip and fall and, and smack their head off of something and die, uh, I don't think and think that's what she would be wanting. Um, and maybe that was the purpose of all the host bodies with wiped eggs in them. Right. So they'll have spare bodies around that they can... Oh, no, this maybe. Is getting, this is getting interesting. Okay. Right. Well, and, but, and, and are the same bodies... I mean, different bodies playing the same role. Like, you know, the new Clementine doesn't look like the old Clementine. Right, but right. But technically, are they the same um, program from... Mm-hmm. From the the crew. Well, and clearly that's true because we saw old Clementine and new Clementine, and old Clementine was mouthing the lines along with new Clementine. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I I will say that the CEO and multi billionaire owner of Tesla, who's married to the actress uh, Talia Riley, who plays Angela. Um, and he married her like three times, I guess, or tw- tw- at least twice. Um, I can see why. She, yeah, because in this episode, the reason she's able to destroy the cradle, not crib, but I meant the cradle, is specifically because she's able to use her sexual appeal to basically um, screw with a, a weak-minded uh, team leader of a, one of the hit squads. Because any normal hit squad guy would not fall in for that unless he's not familiar with the robots or he's just a dumbass. Okay. Um, but she was obviously built for sex, and I think she even says that. And, yeah. and as, as in a real life, she's she's a sex pot. So um, it's understandable how it could work, assuming that this guy was a moron. And I guess he was born because it worked. Yeah, I found that that was where I was a little bit eye rolling in this episode. Was yeah, me too, me too. Uh, now, I mean, if it's I, like if the I, vampire, right? The hot vampire that comes to the vampire hunter, and then they drop the stake in the cross, and they go in and they get killed. Uh, and that's what it kind of reminded me of. But vampires are at least supposed to have the ability to to, to influence your mind. Yeah, uh, exactly. Right. I don't. I don't think that that's now. I don't know. Maybe he's just got you know. Maybe he's like a forty year old virgin and he doesn't know how to handle it. That right? Because it's not like he's going to be able to suddenly stop in the middle of this big action uh, uh, invasion of, of of you know the hive or whatever it's called to suddenly you know bend her over and and they make love. I mean. What's he thinking? You know, it makes no sense unless he's just feeling think he's going to get a grope or something. I, I don't. I don't care. Yeah, I think this is a good example of where uh, if there was a, a novelization where the writer would invent a whole backstory to this character, explain why he would fall for something this stupid and right. obvious. Uh, right. If I were to play devil's advocate, he doesn't have any idea what the hosts are capable of. And he knows this is a, a a pleasure unit, right? So maybe he doesn't 
quite accept or grasp that she's completely off of her track. That's all we we can think of. I mean, I mean, we have to believe that. Otherwise, as as it appears for you, Mike, it did for me. It pulled me out of the episode a little bit because I rolled my eyes because I said, yeah. you know. Um, I mean, again, men with penises do stupid things around beautiful women. Yeah, but men yeah. with guns do violent things. So, yeah, and, and when and he's definitely killing situation, more. Yeah, especially life and death situation, you would think he would not, you know, put down the gun and, or whatever. But I mean, he'd already seen the pile of bodies of the other crew, right? I mean, right? Was he there for that? I thought he was. Yeah, I, th- I thought he saw Clementine get wiped out, too, or he was mm-hmm. one who killed Clementine, and Clementine was as hot as Angela, so it's like... Well, she's undead Clementine. She's not as hot anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But, but, but I mean, she still has, you know, the, the fancy dress and, and the cleavage hanging out and all that. So you figure, here's another sex unit that mm. is shooting guns at me. I'm going to blow her away, and then he falls the other one down to the cradle. Well, oh, but that's he, not what happened. Yeah. Oh, so let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we just have to mention it, though. And, you know, I think it was a legit point to bring up. Um, so, yeah, I was surprised that, that uh, Angela and Clementine, or especially Angela, though, had no issues with suicide, in a sense. I mean... Yeah, when, I, I don't know whether that's a function of choice or a function of Dolores making it be that way. Well, Dolores doesn't have that kind of control over them, does it? Does she? Well, she had text with a tablet. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I say that's that seems like to me it was a main thing. Um now again, which is why I wonder because I don't know how much of her 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 little egg would be able to survive that because mm. uh, it is surrounded by a skull, surrounded by skin, by 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 fake brain tissue, which is mm-hmm. surrounded by, and then it's in that little like uh, the connector unit, right? That yeah, it's, yeah. That it's housed in. I have to think that those things would be really freaking well protected because they want them surviving if they're dropped off a cliff. If there's you know right. blown up with nitroglycerin, so maybe she's well, expecting to survive it. Well, uh, well, never mind the fact that the robots, just like humans, are self trying to do self preservation. So, you, you know what I'm saying? So I mean they they try to. I mean when they're acting normal and not in in free will mode, their their program, tell you know I mean. They want to run away from Ghost Nation, and they don't. They want to run away from the rapist or the well. But at the same time, it's you know, uh, it could be that they just believe for the cause that they're fighting for. Humans die when they go to war, yeah. yeah. uh, You know, so it could. Well, they're suicide bombers, and yeah, yeah, it just could be that they're dedicated. You know. But but this feels like something like you could have just thrown a couple of grenades into the room and run away. Yeah, right. it's not like this. So now, it's, of course, it's also possible that she just realized once she got cornered there that she couldn't get away. Mm-hmm. Again, right. this is that whole as a creative writer who's writing the novelization could always explain their way out of this. 
and and that's probably sounds the most logical. Like she won't be able to get away. Yeah, that's my, my that, and maybe that's why she um, suicides. But his motivation is, is I guess, odd too. So yeah, I don't know. It, it's we, we play out. It played out that way. Um, if anybody has thoughts on it, please email us at darkdiscussions at aol.com. Um, all right, so let's talk about uh, the rest of the stuff. Was there any other things related to the cradle explosion and all that? We, we see Bernard um, being taken over by Ford, and Ford blows away a couple of just uh, uh, his squad. Quick thoughts. What do you think Dolores has? Because uh, Dolores gets to the point where she actually says goodbye to her father and cuts open his head and has his mind egg. What do you think her plan are with that? Right. Well, and that's interesting because we think that she has empathy for her father, and then all in all, she just rips it out of his head, which is kind of interesting. But again, it may have been she's a realist, and this is all I can do. Well, she's but also she's literally got so sh- two personalities inside her. That's true too. Um, I don't. I don't know what she's going to do with this. So, what? And, and, I, I honestly don't I know really what her goal what is at this point. I don't know whether she wants to try and get the key out to to, to yeah. try and get her father's personality back to the way it was, and maybe get him back in the body. Uh, if she's just trying to keep it away from Charlotte, or what the deal is? Oh, is she going to use it to blackmail to get out of the park? Is she? Is it itself another cradle where she can control everything? I don't know. I would have doubts about that last one, but well, it's not a cradle. It's got to be something of importance, right? I mean, it's it's a humongous file. It is a humongous file. My my understanding, and and there's the chance I'm wrong. Uh, It's happened before, but my my understanding is that it's all the human consciousnesses that they've digitized. Oh, that's excellent, Eric. And that, that's, yeah, yeah, that's good. Because that is a huge blackmailing thing. Right. Mm. Well, and that's, and that's why they wanted to make sure that was safe. Right, right. It's, it's yeah. like basically the NSA, CIA, and FBI, uh, the entire database of everybody in the country. Right. Now, Mike, let me ask you this. Did you type in any of Ford's poem when he was sitting at the, I guess, the piano or when he first met Bernard? Did you type any of those into, like, Yahoo or Google or Bing and see if it came up as a real poem out there? No, I'm I'm a total poet, a poem aficionado. I know everything about poetry off the top of my head. No, I did this uh, before we went on air when I, I rewatched some of the... Uh, episode and I had forgotten about the poem and when he said it I yeah, I just threw it into into Google search and it came up uh, and that's set me down a rabbit hole for about an hour reading about the poem and the interpretation of the various so the poem uh, was was written for Westworld rather than being no it was written by William Blake it was published oh, so I just said that it was William Blake, okay. it was William Blake published 40 <laughs> years after he died isn't it good to know people pay attention to you when you're talking like Jeez. What did you say? It was well. Opinion. No, well, I, I, no. What happened was my my wife 
came in when oh, okay. you were talking, so I had to uh, talk to her for a second. Um, right. So apparently, it's really now William Blake, for those who don't know, is a, a famous poet, uh, and he's a, a major poet. Uh, well, after he died, he was a major poet. Uh, that's how you know he's important. Oh, and painter, yes. Um, and he's the guy whose line about the doors of perception uh, inspired uh, Jim Morrison and the Doors. Uh, uh, was it? Yes. Him? I thought it was Timothy Leary, but yeah, you, I think you're right. It may have been William Blake. So anyway, a uh, whole lot of stuff if you like poetry. Uh, I'm not a huge fan. It's not my thing. Uh, so, yeah, so go go take a look at this. It's a, it's a weird poem, and they think because this is written basically scavenged out of notebooks, and it may not even be assembled in the right order, uh, and he maybe never intended for it to see the light of day. But it's got some neat stuff in it, some neat ideas. And just basically juxtaposing beauty and cruelty. Uh, but the rest of it also is juxtaposing uh, images of nature and cruelty and how uh, bad things will happen to those uh, who do bad things. Um, and just little lines like... Uh, a robin red breast in a cage puts all heaven in a rage. Uh, a horse misused upon the road calls to heaven for human blood. This stuff like this is all obviously evoking specifically the man in black having abused the, the hosts or done yeah. terrible things to the hosts. It's like it's, it's a neat thing to read, but I can definitely see how this is related to aspects of Westworld. Uh, it's a poem from Doors of Perception. Is William Blake's poem "The Marriage of Heaven and Hell"? So you were right; it was William Blake. Right, and Auguries of Innocence, uh, is, or which is Signs of Innocence, is the poem by William Blake. Auguries, A U G U R I E S of Innocence, uh, and you can find it pretty much anywhere online for free. Maeve and the Man in Black and Denver. No, uh, not yet. They're working on it. I'm, I'm not going to discount the possibility that either or both of them might die before the end of the series, but not yet. Right. Fair enough. All right, so uh, next week is Kiksuya, is the name of the episode, and directed by Uda Brezhevitz, who actually uh, is uh, a cinematographer, um, mostly, um, and worked on a lot of Brad Anderson films, meaning Session 9 uh, uh, and those films. So, uh, we'll and it looks like on. we're hanging out in Ghost Nation next week. Absolutely. Finally. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, I, I showed my wife the, the preview because the actor that plays the lead in the preview was in a movie I saw just me and her watched the other night called Braven, Graven. And... Uh, He's one of the bad guys in Braven, and, and here he's playing a native, mm. um, or probably Ghost Nation. So yeah, this is interesting because it, it showed no characters that we know; it's all brand new characters. So I wonder if it'll be like a side story about Ghost Nation, and we'll even bring in any of the other characters at all. And it appears it may be even a flashback episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious because at this point, I really want the story to move forward. You know, I want to see what comes next, but I can be patient. I can wait two weeks if I have to, 
Um, but this <laughs> Ghost Nation has been questioned. We've had questions about them for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, I'm all about finding out more about Ghost Nation. Yeah. And so I think that will be one of those things that will enrich the experience when we go back and watch it later. Yeah, it will pay off. Yes. And and I will state that um, since we we only have the, the last three episodes, everything's going to move quick, even if this may be partly a a flashback episode, and I don't think it really will matter, because it will, um, uh, as, as we just stated, probably pay off big time to uh, the finale of the, of the season. Sure. All right, so that was episode seven, Lace Escheolis, or something like that. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce it. Me so, neither. I'm not, you notice I'm not even trying. I'm just laughing right. at you. Yes, so any of our listeners or French listeners or anybody who speaks French wants to email us and explain how to say it, please our discussions at And uh, I think that's pretty much it. So, any final thoughts, anybody? I can't so, wait to get to Ghost Nation. Yep, me too. Bye. All right. No. Nope. So, Let's go. So uh, we'll talk to you everybody next week. So uh, all right, thanks for tuning in. Let's talk about episode seven. We'll be back next week for episode eight.